Welcome to Quest for Gold. I'm Ryan Burrow. We are less than 100 days until the Summer Games in Tokyo. Team USA is operating full steam ahead for these games. However, this week, a senior Japanese ruling party official left the door open for possible cancellation of the games if coronavirus becomes too dire. Toshihiro Nakai, Secretary General of the Liberal Democratic Party, told the Japanese broadcast outlet cancellation is, of course, an option as Japan deals with its fourth wave of coronavirus infections. That, of course, sent a shockwave through social media, but the Tokyo Olympics organizing committee tried to tamp down fears, saying all those involved in preparing for the games remain fully focused on hosting them this summer. In soccer, the U.S. women's national team beat France this week 2-0 in a friendly match. They do keep their unbeaten streak alive now at 39. However, their win streak came to an end last week when they played to a 1-1 draw against one of their biggest foes, Sweden. It was Megan Rapinoe's late-game penalty kick that tied it up against Sweden and kept the unbeaten streak going. More U.S. Olympic bids passed out this week in fencing and canoe-kayak slalom. In fact, 17-year-old Evie Liebfarth punched her ticket to Tokyo for both the K-1 and C-1 races. During last week's media summit, Simone Biles was asked about the safety of gymnastics following the Dr. Larry Nasser scandal. As an Nasser survivor, she's been very vocal over the last year. You know, it's definitely different. They have precautions put in place to try um, to to better the athlete's safety whenever we're traveling, whether that's at camp with the team around the world with uh, USA Gymnastics. So it is very, very different than what I've experienced before. So, you know, once they have those precautions put in place, you feel a little bit safer. But then at the end of the day, we still need to know and have an independent investigation. So for some of us survivors, it is disheartening to know that that hasn't happened and one of the survivors are still out there competing and I feel like they just want to sweep it under the rug but that's not how to go about it I feel like in gymnastics you get deductions um, for stepping out of the line and all of this stuff and they just get slaps on the wrist and keeps going it's like it just doesn't disappear after I step out in three meets in a row they're like oh she's going to step out we're not going to deduct her anymore Um, so I just feel like there needs to be consequences for their actions but I'm sure it's coming Trine Gonsar is among the sister survivors who have publicly voiced decades of abuse by Dr. Larry Nassar she gave powerful testimony at his trial Larry you did this to yourself and you did this to us Since then, Gonsar has been advocating for change at USA Gymnastics. Earlier this year, she learned her former coach, John Gettert, died by suicide as he himself faced abuse charges. This is an interview I've wanted to do since we began the Quest for Gold podcast. I do want to know, I mean, do you still think about Larry Nassar as he sits in jail? Or have you kind of been able to compartmentalize that and put him away and and not think about that? Or is that something you wake up in the morning and say, hmm, I wonder what he's doing or I wonder what life is like for him? Um, I do wonder, I, I, I think I wonder when I have injuries on my own body and my first reaction would have normally been for the last 40 years of my life is, is what would Larry do in this instance, like my neck per se, or, um, so there's that side of this for me where he was somebody that we trusted and that he, he did fix injuries that we had. So aside from the manipulation that he did, he actually did do other things well. So um, from that perspective, and then from his family's perspective, I wonder about them. And I wonder, you know, do they talk? Do they know him? Is he somehow in their life? Like, what is his life? Um, But also I am really 
emphasizing myself to shut that door and to let some of those things go because that's really not anything positive for me to keep in my in my everyday life anymore. So I do try to eliminate that as much as I can. It's difficult in times like now, like with other things that have come come up and resurfaced. So that's a little bit tricky, but um, I do wonder, but really it is just wonder. What uh, what was your relationship with John Geddard? How did his life intertwine with yours? Um, so John Geddard was our head coach at the gym. So um, back when Larry was actually, um, he was just a trainer at our gym. So he was not at this time a doctor. And I kind of referenced that time as being ground zero because, um, you know, we have Kathy Clagus, who was the head coach of the Michigan State Gymnastics team, kind of as a guest uh, coach in our gym often. And then you'd have John, the head coach, and he, um, you know, he was very dominating and very dominant as a personality in the gym. And then there was Larry. So John was good, or John was bad, Larry was good. And then everyone wanted Kathy Clagus's eye because she was the head coach and you were hoping to get a scholarship. So really, I come from this very isolated time of when really we were in ground zero. Yeah. I mean, you've got a lot of things that maybe you weren't even thinking about now then, but are thinking about now you realize that yeah. you've got these, these forces kind of working. Was, was John Gettert uh, abusive to you in any ways as we would define it today or even then? Yeah. Um, you know, for some, there were pencils thrown at them or water bottles thrown at them or things like that. For me, it, I was a headlock a couple of times, which I wouldn't necessarily say was physical abuse, but I would say it was with the intention of demeaning me, like demoralizing me and making me embarrassed. You know, I don't really know what else situation you put someone in a headlock in, um, but that was a regular thing in our gym. That was almost like his like joke goof way of like throwing you in a headlock. I mean, so, you know, I have some stories that, that I would say now my mom would be really sad to read or hear about from, from that space with him. But if you really only have one form of training or coaching style that, you know, um, how do you know any different? You know, I was from five to 16, 17, and that's all I really ever knew. So, um, and then again, he produced Olympians and a several very high ranking gymnasts. So I think you think as a family or as a child or as an athlete, that this is what's going to make you the best. So we're lucky. We were lucky to be with Kathy Clagus watching out for us with John Getter getting us to the next level. And then with Larry Nassar uh, treating our injuries. So we were lucky. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you think about what it would have been like if that, I guess I, we can call it a three headed monster, whatever you want to, if, mm -hmm. if that wasn't the life, would your path have been, would, would it have excelled the, the direction that it did? If you were at some gym in another part of the country or the, another part of the world with other people. Well, and there's a, there's really a culture of gymnastics. I mean, when we look back and we think about like Bella Caroli and he came from Romania um, or like the, the Chinese or even the Russians, when you look at like we as Americans would be like, Ooh, those gyms, those, those girls, they get taken to their away from their families and they're put in these training centers. So it was almost like we Americans were kind of done it in the nice way um, versus some of the other uh, countries that, that compete heavily into the sport of gymnastics. So um, 
you know, there was very intense nutritional guidelines. There was very strict rules. There was very intentional um, training circuits that we would have, whether it was for our upper back or legs, you know, there was just so much that was so organized that it seemed like everything was on the right track. If that makes any sense. Sure. It's not like anything was so outlandish other than that we would win, win after win after win. You know, we were selected. We were elites, elitely selected. So he would handpick who was going to be on his team. And you, as a represent- re- representative of his team, you got judged before you even made it to the competition because you had to be at a certain level of gymnastics to even go compete under his gym. I mean, it was, it was extreme. But we were, we would have girls that would be driving, their families would be driving three hours away and stay with other teammates' families and stay in hotels to be able to train with John. When, when all of the Nasser stuff started coming down, and then, of course, uh, you know, obviously the court proceedings, his name, John Gettard's name came up numerous times. And yes. it never, never really in a positive light. Did you, did you think at that point when the, when the Nasser stuff started going down that, John is going to be the next chip to fall or, or did you think that he would, he had kind of separated himself from Larry? Um, I think he was, I definitely knew his name was to come. Um, same with Kathy. It's like, I, I knew that they had um, something coming their way. Uh, but I, John has had three years since really Larry. Um, he's had three years. And the thing about John is that, He never showed face. He never spoke publicly. He never reached out. Like if he did reach out to any of the other girls that did their impact statements with Larry, it was, I'm, I'm really sorry. And that was it. You know, he never really like went the extra step to ensure that he was behind us or that he recognized that he didn't recognize, you know, it was almost as if like, he just didn't go about it the right way. I think had he showed up in court and supported us and stood there and even did his own impact statement to Larry saying, you know, how could you have done this to these girls and, and why, you know, anything other than being arrogant and staying away from the media. Not that the media is really where he needed to be, but he could have even released one simple statement. That's something along the lines of, you know, I, I stand behind these girls and I wish I would have realized, or I would, it just never was that. And in a way that I, I feel like that put more fuel to getting him, to getting him because people realized that he really didn't back us. And I think that he didn't believe that we were assaulted. And I, and I think that from that, you know, somebody that's turning a blind eye from hundreds of girls in his gym, you would, you would think he had some care and concern and and he he just didn't ever. so. So, so mid to late February, it's announced 24 count indictments. You hear the news, you know, we'll, we'll go into what happened after that in a little bit, but what, when you initially heard the indictments, what, what was kind of your, your thought process at that point? Um, well, I had actually been told the day before, um, I had been approached by a reporter saying, um, uh, there's some news coming out and I wondered if you had a comment and I said, what news? And she said, you know, if you don't know yet, then I really can't share it. Um, but it is coming from the Larry Nassar case and it's possibly a coach. So basically John Getter. Um, and so I had known that that night, um, 
I wondered because I really assumed that he would go if he was going to go out, if he was going to be charged, it was going to be like OJ Simpson style in his truck driving down the highway. The police were I mean, I when I when I really visualized how this was going to go down, I thought it was going to be something like that, like very or he had fled the country or something, because I just didn't see when when Dana Nessel did her announcement saying that he was going to surrender. Um I honestly thought like, well, that's a joke. Uh, I will literally go online and see if that's really going to happen because I bet any kind of money that there's no chance in hell John Gettert's going to surrender. So I really saw it going in like a different route than, than it did. And that's just because um, of his personality. That's just a, the kind of person he was. He was just a fighter and, and he would not have accepted that as how. Well, he was extremely arrogant, extremely condescending, extremely mean i mean i don't think like his even his nice smiles came across as kind of like mm, i'll send sweet but i'll slit your throat if i had to right now as well so it's never it was never like a a kindness as a person so um i just based again on how he never spoke out or he didn't say anything he never supported us i just felt like he really feel, felt like he had no part in this and that he thought he was going to get out of it and because he's had so much time to um, put things together that he he thought he was going to get out of it. And this was the first probably real moment in his life that he realized he's probably going away. He's there's things that are coming out about him and how to stop that, how to stop that from coming out, how to um, because that guy that he can be that way to a bunch of little girls and and gymnasts can't be that way in jail. I mean, you have much bigger guys that are, have done much worse things that that arrogance and that demeanor isn't going to fly with them. So I think he knew he wasn't going to survive in jail. So you, you, you don't seem surprised then by what happened and him making that decision to ultimately take his life. Are you surprised that, um, you know, kind of the, the optics of it at a truck stop near a dumpster? I mean, taking his, I mean... I, I, um, I think that I, news I, is as shocking as, as you know, actually that he had done it. It's kind of the, the way it had happened. I'm surprised that he took his life because he has children. He has a wife. He has grandchildren. Um, so I was surprised. Well, I was surprised that at this stage, that's the route that he went. Um, but I think it's really, truly that he knew that things were going to come out about him that he didn't want to come out about him. So by taking his life, he ended all of it uh, because the case doesn't go forward. Now there's no one to convict. There's, you know, it ends it's, it's over. So, how do you feel? How do you feel about that? Because I, I mean, you, you obviously went through this with, with Dr. Nassar and, you know, potentially could have gone through this whole cycle again mm-hmm. with him. Was there a relief? Was there frustration? Was there anger? Was there sorrow? What, what were you feeling in that moment when you heard the news? To be totally honest, I was devastated. Um, I fell to my knees, I hands in my face, sobbing my eyes out for his family, for his grandchildren. Um, and, and unfortunately, in my situation, there are teammates that are still very, very Team John, um, which, you know, I have to respect just from their uh, experience with him, um, was different than most of the others. So they don't have that side of him. They saw what was happening to other girls, uh, but they were lucky in a sense that they didn't ever have that side of John to them. So I, I, I understand that they have that side. Um, but I was 
devastated because, you know, there's girls that will never have justice. There's family that's lost. There's family that found him. There's, um, you know, he was found himself at a rest stop and looked. And, and from what I've learned about rest stop suicides is that the intention that they do with that is that so the family won't find them. So it's not at their house. The family members don't find them. Um, and that wasn't the case in his situation. So um, I think it was a coward way out. And I don't think he had other options. I think he realized he was going to jail. And uh, a lot was going to come out about him. And so the only way to end all of that was that one choice. He had, he really had no other choice, but it's also instead of facing the facts and coming forward and fighting, if he really thought he was innocent, um, he didn't go that route. Is gymnastics in Michigan and USA gymnastics in a better place today than it was three years ago? No. Unfortunately, um, in these kind of situations, people like to blame everybody else for what happened. And they don't like to take accountability for what they could have done better or how they could have saved or spared some people. So when that happens, people continuously blame others for the problems, which in fact never changes the actual problems. And USAG is in no better position. They have, they continuously keep hiring presidents or CEOs or whoever they, and, and then they fire them within two days. And then, you know, I mean, that happens like probably 10 different times before they have the, the current president. And she has basically, um, again, tried to brush it off, push it under the table, push it under the rug not address it, not deal with it, and just hope that it goes away. So we have Simone Biles, who's the best gymnast in the world of ever of all time, saying she wouldn't put her child in gymnastics. Um, it's a big red flag. Yeah, I, 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 really- wonder, I wonder about the coverage coming up here, right, in 2021, mm-hmm. the Olympics, yeah. because, you know, this happened in 2018, and I'm sure USAG wants to t- flip the switch and say, we've got Simone Biles, you know, yeah. uh, uh, you know Hernandez is coming yep, they back. they want to use her. For her talent. Yeah, and, 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 and to be honest with you, my, my daughter loves Simone Biles. She follows her on, you know, Instagram totally. and TikTok and all that. And everyone loves yeah. him and, and every, you know, but this, this has kind of been in the background. And the question is, is this going to continue to be in the background or, or not even mentioned uh, when we get to Tokyo because of the pandemic, because of everything mm-hmm. else that's happened over the last three years? Um, you know, I, I'm guessing that you're hoping that it, it doesn't get pushed to the side. I mean, I feel like Simone has really uh, come into her own and isn't afraid of them anymore or, or afraid to speak out against them. So I feel like she's been intentional in doing that. Um, she's the best gymnast in the world. She deserves to be at, in Tokyo regardless of who takes her there. I mean, this stage, if it was not the United States because of USAG, you know, she should be there and because she, she would win and and she should win because she's literally the best that there ever has been in this sport. Um, and yes, I think everyone wants to use her because she is the best and it makes them look good, which is like the culture of gymnastics as a whole and how it started to crumble in the first place is because all it mattered was winning instead of best supporting the athlete and helping them get to a place where, you know, they can thrive and that they're proud and that they're safe and, and then they can continue on this route. I mean, USAG is a a poor, poor example of how to run a 
organizations such as United States Gymnastics Association. So, I mean, even the Olympic Committee, it's unbelievable to see leaders that don't lead. I mean, literally just turn a blind eye because we've got so many wins that we need to get out of this Olympics. So you think you think the culture hasn't changed at all? I mean, it's still win, baby. No. Keep all we care about is gold, win, baby. How yeah. many goals does USA have? Huh. And win. you know, it's interesting though because when when everything started coming out about gymnastics, then we started hearing about swimming and diving, and there were some other yeah. sports that came yes. out, and, and other athletes from the eighties, nineties, you know, two thousand, saying, "Wait a minute, this happened to us mm-hmm. too." Now we've got oh, safe yeah. sport involved, and you know, I've I've been talking to uh, figure skaters as well who who have you know had the same kind of issues. So I don't know if it's going to take a, a you know if it's a change overnight or if this is a generational thing that to to make that mentality change a little bit. You know, it's really the culture of sports, the culture of athletics, um, win. I mean, what other reason is there to do it in, in a perspective of the Olympics is, is to win. So, um, if you have those to do that, then great. But, um, you know, I think it's just a matter of time with those other sports. I think they happen. this happens in every sport. I think that this is not a, um, gymnastics issue this is not a sport issue this is a human issue it's not a woman issue it's not a man issue it is a human issue and if people aren't opening their eyes and realizing that the things need to change then nothing's going to change and it's just going to continue on because the old mentality of that's just how it's always been done or how it's always been you know how we've won well that's not the right way and if you're going to do things the right way it's going to take change and leaders need to lead what's life like for you right now you have a son. I have two. I have a, a one-year-old today. He, uh, my, my, my littlest one just turned one today. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old that will be three in July. Um, so it's busy. It's exhausting. I haven't slept in like 100 years, it feels. Um, but, I, you know, I love my job. I love my work. And I'm, I'm now part of that change, that wave that's coming through, that hopefully people are starting to recognize that we're, we're starting to set some fires and we aren't scared. And is, is it about empowering the athletes? Is that what it's about? Letting them know that they can step back and tell the coach, I don't care if you've won gold. I don't care if you've, uh, you're an elite college or you determine the scholarships. I, I'm not doing this. You know, it's not so much that it's more giving the person, um, the power to make their own choices and to have opportunities to say that doesn't make me comfortable. I feel uncomfortable in this situation and I don't want to do that. And that is totally okay. And that should be okay. So it's not necessarily saying like, I never want to be disrespect your coaches or disrespect people that have, you know, helped you. I just want people to be able to say no and mean it and that that's okay for them. And that when that is said that they are stepped back from and given that space to, to make their own decision, however that looks, whatever that may be. Do you have any resources or places people can go to find out more information about that? Yeah, well, um, so I work for Avalon Healing Center here in the city of Detroit, um, and we are a, a center that supports survivors that are recognized as any form of sexual assault. So incest or rape or um, you know any kind of assault that comes upon them in any stage of their journey. So we take anyone from two weeks old 
sadly, um, to 103, 104 years old. I mean, we've seen everything in between. Um, man, woman, however you identify, we take you. We welcome you. We um, support you. And we will do everything we can to help you get through that journey. And, um, you know, the way that this has been done has been done for 16 years. So well before my case. And, and seeing the people that actually have been doing this work and care about this work for so long. And, and because sexual assault is something that people don't like to talk about. People don't like to talk about rape and they don't like to talk about their assaults. So, and I understand that, um, but this is something we need to be talking about. So if you're, if you're looking for resources, we are coming out with the Avalon Institute, which is a training program that we have um, things that can be online, things that can be virtually or in person to, to get trauma informed care, um, to understand what trauma informed means, um, but also how to best practice and take the model of care that we offer um, to other places. So um, avalonhealing.org is where we're, where we're at. And um, if you have any questions, anybody can reach out to me. It's just tgonzar at avalonhealing.org. And I'm happy to facilitate or direct you to the next person. And, and if you aren't in Detroit and you need something locally, we're happy to help find that as well. I did reach out to USAG for a response to Trinay's comments. They provided me with a statement from President and CEO Lili Leung, which reads, We recognize how deeply we have broken the trust of our athletes and community. We are working hard to build that trust back. Everything we do now is aimed at creating a safe, inclusive, and positive culture for everyone who participates in our sport. And while we know this kind of meaningful and lasting culture change does not happen overnight, we will keep working toward that goal until every member feels supported included safe and empowered. USAG also provided information on its mission statement, updates on leadership changes since 2019, and efforts in abuse prevention. April is National Child Abuse Prevention Month. I've added a link from both Avalon Healing Center and Safe Sport. Please don't hesitate to reach out to either if you, a family member, or friend are in need of help. Next week, we chat with three-time gold medal swimmer Ryan Murphy as he prepares to add to his collection in Tokyo. I'm Ryan Burrow. We'll see you next week on Quest for Gold. 